welcome to this episode of The Future of Schools, the podcast that explores how technology is impacting the classroom and talks to the people behind it. I'm Connor Flynn, your host and COO at Adaptomy. So I'm here with Mark Twig, a special education needs teacher in Ireland. How are you, Mark? Hey, Connor. Uh, thanks for coming in today. Um, Mark, can you tell me, what does a special needs teacher or a special education needs teacher do? So the first one there is, I just heard you saying special needs, special education needs, special teaching and all these reiterations of kind of different things. And I suppose the idea is to, to make it more accurate as to what it's trying to achieve. I suppose at the moment in our school, I like to call it support for learning. And so that's what I do. So I'm in a position where I, I try to aid support for learning. So students who may have different needs, differentiated needs, some students may have learning difficulties some students may have different way of learning and then there's general support for all students so i might go in and support a teacher and say you know for your visual learners could you try and do this and for your kinesthetic learners could you try and do this and then where there might be some students who need a bit more support from myself or someone who knows a bit more about things like reading fluency working memory sensory issues and, and things like that and, and areas around energy and I'm trying to avoid using labels because I could have just said maybe dyslexia autism and ADHD whereas you might just say someone who's dyslexia might be just someone who's not great at reading or is crap at spelling or someone who's got ADHD is just someone who's a bit hyper and can't sit still or finds it hard to focus and looking at that as a spectrum one of the most interesting things is once you go and do, I, I, I did my SEN training and as you do your SEN training, you just pretty much spend every day self-diagnosing going, oh, I've got a bit of that, I've got a bit of that, if that makes sense. And I think that's one thing that comes out of it is, is trying to go back to, means you can support everybody and then some students who will find it more severe uh, or have a big challenge that even through intervention, it's still a big challenge for them. And so that's where I'd see special education needs teaching. And Mark, how would you diagnose a child with a special education need? Depending on the need, it's, there's different assessments, but generally the process is, might be where a, a parent or a teacher, or sometimes the student themselves says, you know, I just, there's something, they might say there's something wrong with me, which it, it, I have an issue, massive issue with that, you know, but at the, at the time when they feel it, they go, I just don't get it. I'm trying my hardest. And I just can't read this at the same speed as it are. I am finding it so hard to concentrate or, or whatever. We, or they might see someone else who has a special education need and go, when he talks about his needs, it rings a lot of bells for me. So then they might make a referral. At that point, we say, well, look, what are you having difficulty with? And she might say, I, I, I just can't read quickly. Uh, or everyone else reads quicker than me or... I just find concentrating difficult or my handwriting is just appalling. So we might put in an intervention and do a handwriting intervention and practice out this and do some one-on-one -on -one teaching or try and, do it, try and do it in the class as much as possible. This concept of inclusion rather than just taking kids out and making them feel different by taking them out would rather be done in the class. But let's say at the end of that intervention there's no response to the intervention or there hasn't been uh, an improvement. At that point, you could go back to uh, parents and then say, look, we think maybe could we seek further advice from an educational 
professional or an educational psychologist or an occupational therapist and student might go to them and they have a, a battery of exam tests and observations and coming from our feedback as well they may come back and say the student has an identified special education need now mark you work in a very prestigious private school in dublin it's not a place that i would usually associate with a large number of students with special needs mm. i find that amazing you know in the, in the sense that you know special needs doesn't discriminate against uh, race religion or the amount of money in your parents bank account uh, or what school you go to maybe in times gone by parents may not if they had a a child who and, and just a pause on that like there's a, this maybe is a misconception around the idea that special education needs means weaker or there's something wrong with you it means different and our different different way of learning or different way of seeing something and in many in many ways uh, can be huge strengths I just pick out dyslexia for example and dyslexia is many different forms and there's many different types of dyslexia and it can manifest in many different ways but one in particular would be where you have a, a dyslex someone who's dyslexia and they are very good they can be very good at art and they're very good at sport but just reading they struggle with and they talk about the letters and the words moving on the page and that's not the same for all dyslexics at all but uh, there's a book Thomas West and the the idea it, I have a take on it that it's, they look at things at 3D 3D stimulates their brain someone who's dyslexia um, for example if I was just to show you ohm writing with the, the single lines it's fairly boring stuff to look at so then writing with letters and words becomes more interesting but if you're a kid whose your brain is stimulated by 3D because you're able to have good depth perception so I'm sitting in primary school and the teacher's teaching Anne and Barry went up the hill and we're all reading and I'm looking around I want, and everyone's looking at their books with these 2D letters on the page I'm looking around and I'm getting more stimulated by looking at the parallel lines in the ceiling and the depth of the windows and you know the shape of tables moving in and that's stimulating my it triggers my brain more why would I look and therefore I don't put as much into the reading I slip behind and from that can have dyslexia difficulty with reading but I would see that as a massive strength you know and especially in today where we don't need spelling you know i'd rather have ten thousand words in my vocabulary and a thousand of those words misspelled than nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine words all spelled perfectly i'd rather have a wider vocabulary than in any way a smaller vocabulary because the computer the text to speak and all these things they can fix those things and voice to voice to text software and so on so manifesting in, in our school I think it's it's just becoming more commonplace maybe back in the day where a child was struggling in primary school academically parent might say well we won't send them to the expensive secondary post-primary school we'll send them off to the back to the farm or, or whatever tradition but I, I think those days are gone now can you tell me about a particularly challenging experience you've had with a child with special needs yeah good question um i suppose around behavioral stuff and student who may have a special education need leads to low self-esteem leads to 
protect my self-esteem by being defensive against the world. I can become bitter. I can become bitter. I can become. Uh, I can put, put the walls up. I might become angry. A student where a student was misunderstood by his teachers, and it's not the teacher's fault. They have not had the vast majority of teachers have not had any training in special education needs, despite it being every teacher has students with special education needs in their classroom. Yet our third level courses are diabolical in terms of what they're educating around special education needs. It amasses to about a PowerPoint uh, on dyslexia, a PowerPoint on dyspraxia. This is what it is. This is when it started. And here's a few books on it. Yet we spend a whole module on the history of education and the book by John Coolin. And yet, which one is going to affect your classroom teaching more? Coming back to where I was at is where a teacher may struggle with this student and the student presents behavioral difficulties and challenges the teacher and teacher's trying to manage 25 students and then the student is kicking off. The toughest bit is watching students receive discipline issues, maybe receive a detention or suspension or, or something or more serious and I feel that if we were able to make a better intervention or better supports around that student it was unnecessary that they received a, a negative response for something that maybe they couldn't control and that's very upsetting and it challenges your relationships with your colleagues and it's again it's not their fault because they have not had the training and they're not given enough time to learn on the job how many teachers are in your school? Uh, about 45, I think. And how many have received training in this field? Two. So how many teachers in your school work with students with special needs? You're saying that's every one of them, but how many work specifically yeah. in a resource? Yeah, well, all 45 of them work with, with, special edu with, with students with SEN needs within their own classroom, but maybe on a more intensive on a withdrawal basis where students receiving resource classes or learning support one-to-one -one or small group work. There's probably about 15, 15, 16 teachers. Yeah, again, of those 16, some would have not too much on their timetable and then some would have, you know, traditionally in some schools, you might have your full timetable and you have three extra periods. Okay, you do a bit of learning support there with those. There is an argument that that can be quite beneficial for the teacher because it gives them a little bit of experience of what it's like for these kids to see it from their viewpoint. And they might then bring that back into their own classroom and how they teach, and that's really positive. But is that fair on the kid who's now receiving one-to-one -one resource teacher teaching from a teacher who doesn't know enough or doesn't know, uh, yeah, doesn't know enough about their needs and, and about their area and hasn't had the training in it. Um, and we, you know, we have teachers who are crying out for knowledge, you know, and, and you're trying to do as much on the job training as you can and teaching as you can and, and modeling uh, what I'm learning and what I'm doing is not best practice. I'm only doing what I know is, is best practice at the moment for me and constantly learning as well. And so they're kind of getting it second hand from me. What's your colleague's attitude to this on the job training? Receptive time is the big issue, you know, and, and you you might have a chat with a teacher and you uh, they'll explain some challenges they're having. You go, OK, and you might bounce a few resources towards them, but they don't have time to access and read and sit down with those resources because our general timetable is tough enough or busy enough. 
but they are they're keen when when you have the negative side of it where a teacher may then feel guilty that they haven't been able to get to stuff and and then that tests your relationship but on the flip side it's incredible when a teacher comes back to you a day or a week later and go i tried that thing and it worked and they are buzzing with energy you know and i could wipe the slate clean with all their decent exam results and they they've got six a's and five b's when they get that kid who may have autism and it just works for him and they got him up and got his confidence up you know uh, giving a speech in front of the class because they put a lot of preparation into it and the kid delivers a, a talk to the class or whatever works in a group or leads a group when they come back and share those stories and they do you can see it it's this this vibrancy from your teaching and it comes back to that the uh, the concept of you know teachings of vocation that energy and i feed off that as well so those moments are, are are magnificent and i think when you you can get those small wins they trickle on and and you just try and keep getting more of them i've talked to a lot of special education needs teachers or resource teachers they all talk about how rewarding the job is is it always no, like it's, is it always rewarding? No, it's, it's massively deflating at times, you know, and it's, it's heartbreaking at times. As I said, when you see a student of yours being punished unfairly or thinking, verbally saying to you, I'm stupid or I'm not as clever as them, and you're going, as per this woeful vertical learning leaving cert, yeah, but as per, you know, things that are needed in real life, you're, you're amazing. And it might take them another 10, 15 years to get that back. But um, no, it, you know, is it always good? Is it always super, super rewarding? It is. I find it is. I find it very, very rewarding. But that comes out of the, the challenge. And I, I think I've gone past a point. I was talking to someone recently about this and saying, you know, I don't find it emotionally draining you know I find it mentally draining it's a mental challenge emotionally I find if I get if I get involved too much emotionally in it it's I'm going to be finished within a week it's a massively intense job every day is a is a new challenge I said it's it's like coming off the boat in the D-Day landings and you just there's just bombs and fires and things happening everywhere you're you're disorientated and you're coming out of one class and you're dealing with a student who's just had a, a blow up with another student you're coming through another parent and there's a parent who's worried about their child's uh, mental health and you're coming through another place and you're trying to speak on behalf of a child towards a colleague or management or whatever and then jumping in just doing your own resource teaching and, and normal teaching as well but for me for my brain and the way i like to do things i wouldn't have it any other way to be honest you talk about working with parents are parents generally supportive of teachers who are giving resource hours to their child? Here's an interesting one, actually, because, you know, dyslexia can be, I stand to be corrected, but I, I believe dyslexia can be, it is, can be hereditary and some special education needs can be hereditary. I know autism uh, can be hereditary. And you see the father who and this person might be 10 15 years older than me and they won't make eye contact and they're looking down at the thanks sir thanks thanks sir and uh, you're, you're very good and and, and you go whoa you probably didn't have a great educational experience yourself you may have undiagnosed dyslexia and we're now supporting you oh thanks very much and they're so 
almost, you know, so grateful. And you're going, this is, you know, I almost have to shake him up and say, no, you know, you, your son deserves this and you should have deserved this. Now, I don't go down that road, but it's, it's something that's popped into my mind. If sometimes at a parent-teacher meeting, you, you can sometimes see that parent who school wasn't a great experience for them and maybe they had some tough experience with teachers and maybe were told they were stupid, shut up, and they feel the whole coming into a school environment just brings back all these memories, whether conscious or subconscious. And so there, there's that side of it. I work in a prestigious private school. You can get parents who can be very demanding and what are you doing and what's not happening, what's not happening, but you have to compartmentalize that and just know that you're, you're just doing as best you can. Do you think that your job in this prestigious private school in Dublin is different to a special education needs teacher in a more, in a more deprived area? Yeah, must be. You know, from, from what angle, I don't know, from an S, you know, from, because of an SEN or just in general as a school, one school to another. I'd love to know. I'd love to test it out and, and see. I think that the resources in some in the DESH schools in Ireland are, are much would have much more resources for special education needs than we would. They'd have access to an occupational therapist and uh, speech and language therapists coming into the school regularly. Uh, we don't have that. Uh, on the flip side, if I have a student, we've identified who we is. There's been a referral made in. We're concerned. We think the student may have dyslexia or dyspraxia or whatever. If the parent has to wait 6, 10, 12 months for an assessment from the National Education Psychological Service, NEPS, uh, they may go private and get that expedited. And that has positives and negatives as well. Other parts of it. I don't know, you know, what, what the expectations, you know, a big one is, you know, in our school, probably 98% of the kids go on to third level, go to university. I don't know if I agree with that, you know, I don't think, I think there's plenty of other career paths for everybody, you know, just because you're going to a, a fee-paying school or school like that means you should be going to university that doesn't make sense and there's that kind of social pressure so when my student I may have a student who could be exceptional at, at plenty of other jobs and and could be brilliant at and not just my not just SEN students any students you know, I suppose this is going beyond SEN maybe who might be much better in an apprenticeship could be brilliant in apprenticeship and yet there seems to be a bit of a snobbery maybe around apprenticeships, uh, you know, like carpentry electricians in the fee paying school and, and that might not be seen in grand. They're going to go off to university and, and get a, a salary uh, that would be far less than a, a skilled, uh, a, a skilled uh, tradesperson. And yet, and still meanwhile, all that time have a low self-esteem because I was stupid and I didn't get those points and that wasn't my level. I'd like to see us pushing entrepreneurship more. My brother, who's dyslexic, would say that the students who get 300 points end up employing the lads who get 500 points in their leaving cert because they're the ones who go off and start their own businesses and do the richer brands and stuff. What's the future of SEN teaching? I want to see us adopt technology much, much more and make use of it to deal with the simple little things that just need to be ticked off so that we can then focus back on the human and back into the, the stuff that's hard for a computer to quantify. 
so helping around technologies to maze like for example just this year now they brought in a, a, a c pen which is this like a pen you hold it over the writing over the the over your text it's like a highlighter and pull it over the text it's plugged into an earphone and it reads it out for you this suddenly means in your state exams and your class exams but you can use this in your state exams and not have to have an adult sit next to you and that cleans up that area massively where there may have been feeling that an adult that the, the reader in the state exam may have nudged you in one way or another or might have, you know whereas this is just very clean cut and it helps and it means the student can use that resource straight away in the class whereas previously we you know we have students they will need a reader in the exam because they just they don't have the reading fluency or they they mix up the words or whatever and they go three years without a reader and then they just have a reader suddenly there's a stranger sitting next to you for your state exams and you're doing you're, you're, they're reading for you it doesn't give you a normal outcome I think the new junior cycle has the potential to be amazing for my students, for, for kids with SEN, because it's not focusing on the vertical learning so early. Um, and, it, and just that learning by rote and whatever, it's, you know, it's project where it's, it's presentations in class and it's great opportunities to give these students much more self-esteem and value and recognize that they have abilities and give them more support for that. And I think the kids with SEN special education needs are going to be kicking ass in, in years to come you know and, and uh, really it's funny when you see spelling bee you know I always find the spelling bee quite funny because I, I think it's like this archaic thing that exists to give confidence to kids who lack creativity or synthesis by uh, rewarding their basic cognitive abilities to learn how to spell. <laughs> and that's a bit. That part. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Do you think every teacher in the future will be an SEN teacher? What is an SEN teacher? You know, a teacher who teaches special education needs. Yeah, you need to be. You know, you need to special education. You know, every kid in the class has special education needs. Every no one is the same. And no one fits if they're not then we're in trouble because that means we're just sitting in the the old system every teacher already is by virtue of just being in a classroom with these students and you know in a class of 25 you've probably five or six students and some diagnosed some undiagnosed already there so you are a special education needs teacher just maybe not an educated one or one who uses best practices at the moment and you're winging it on what works for you what's worked for you through your experience so you talk about like when you went through your special needs educa special education needs training that you started to self-diagnose mm. a, a lot of um, a lot of the the different labels, uh, labels that you encountered um, have you ever had a kid come to you saying I have this special need and you've you've worked with the kid and you've gone no no you don't have any special needs to the contact to, to, to the extent that it's a spectrum you know a student comes in and goes I'm, I'm sure I'm dyslexic I just struggle with this and so we might go in and again say you do or you don't that comes down to a labeling system which comes down to a, a DSM-5 a diagnostic manual which as per until we get to the point of 
more brain imaging stuff like ADHD is such a subjective label to assign and it's, it's very much on observations and th those observations are being filled out on a form and it feels very subjective but yeah I'd students would come and say I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm dyslexic and you know I, I just find this so difficult and then you might sit down watch them reading and or watch them doing whatever they're doing around their learning and say well look would you try and do this and they go oh jeepers that really worked you know just little reading techniques and suddenly they then then it improves for them and so it, it, they just were having a difficulty with that area with dyslexic is a difficulty with words around the more severe ones again hand you know some students may come in and they think they may have dyspraxia because their handwriting is very poor and you talk back and you know, maybe they just didn't get much practice and it wasn't they didn't pick it up or it wasn't taught them very well at the start uh, and again you can make an intervention and the handwriting improves and it's still slower because they're coming at it from behind but it's not an underlying difficulty so what's the difference between a private tutorial and a special needs session uh, a grind as such uh, as opposed to resource in, in a private tutorial we're focusing on the text, the topic, the curriculum, your homework, how to learn this topic off around learning support and focus on your priority learning needs. So it's about you, what, teach Amanda Fish. I have a difficulty reading comprehension. I have a difficulty, it's looking at the skills that you need to learn with. So if I can improve your reading comprehension, if I can improve your, how you present your own language and your own ideas, then you will learn more, you will take in more information and your own grades will improve. But I'm not focusing on improving the grade. But surely if over 50% of resource teaching is delivered by someone not trained in special education needs, they really are just grinds. Um, they can be. In many places they can be. Again, that's where my role as a, as a coordinator is that I try and pull together resources for teachers so teacher will sit down and they say right you've got these three students here's their student support files each or like an, an IEP or an individual education plan it will educate you about their needs you know what I have training I'm training in the whole area of SEM but if you've got two students and you know kid has got working memory difficulties and another student has got reading fluency difficulties well, then I can give you a resource on how to understand a little bit about what those are and I can give you a couple of resources that you can use with those students. So, you know, teachers... But is that not just an untrained teacher delivering a resource in a random fashion? But we're still involved in education in general. You know, teacher, teacher educates and here is just something, you know, through your own experience, if you've been teaching for any little bit of time, you're going to have that experience of these students. And then it's through, um, yeah, it, it's on the job training, it's on the job teaching and so on. But yeah, it's, it's not, it's not good enough at all. It's, 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 it's appalling, to be honest. Uh, the, 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 and that comes back to the standard of education. The teachers are being left, leave third level and go into schools with such a lack of understanding of special education needs. It's causing a huge amount of damage on all education. Everyone in the class suffers if you can't support and i'm not going to say manage as opposed to saying manage the kid with adhd if you need to learn how to support the kid with adhd 
you can't do that the whole class suffers because you're going to have discipline problems in the class and back and forth and so on so thanks mark for coming <laughs> here today yeah thank you very much i uh, really enjoyed uh, the opportunity to reflect on what i do a bit thanks for listening to the future of schools with connor flynn if you like our show and want to know more about the future of schools or adaptomy check out www.adaptomy.com or please leave us a review on soundcloud 